Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Swagger from the corner. Yes! And a foul! Is he having himself an afternoon? Swagger feeling his third three already. On the drive goes Patty Casey for the basket. <laughs> Backdoor cut Swider with the jam. This is Swider in close. And one. Welcome back to the Swider Show. Patty, I'm I'm revived. I'm energized after a week off. I mean, Patty, we, we don't do it often. We don't take weeks off often. We're, we come to play every single week, but I definitely feel revived after taking last week off, man. Yeah, it's the first week of 2023 that uh, we've taken a week off. Adam actually pointed that out, which I wasn't surprised by because um, I knew we'd been consistent. But hearing that, I mean, we're workhorses five months in a row, episode every week. But, um, yeah, I missed you guys. So it's great to be behind the, the mic again. Yeah, man, I mean – what a guest to, to have. You guys have already obviously already seen it in the, in the title, but we had Terrence Mann on the podcast this week. I mean, Terrence, is, Terrence is an un, was an unbelievable guest. He, you, you, you guys will hear him. He's just such a well-spoken um, – he's, he's been through a lot in the NBA. He's had, he's had every single experience of, of, of role changes and um, having big games in the playoffs, making deep playoff runs, and then also ha- – Having some shortcomings with his team, just having just having unlucky things with in- injuries with the Clippers. So, so uh, great interview with Terrence. We get into a lot, and uh, super excited for you guys to hear that interview later. Yeah, that was uh, big time. Just a heavy hitter right after the break. Make it make it worth the uh, the wait. If you guys like waiting for more, wanting more out of the Swider show, so we just come back, bang, Terrence man. But um, yeah, he was like one of the best guests we've had on on the show to this point, episode 35, that's like our 30th unique guest. He was definitely up there in, in best interviews. Um, so, yeah, you guys will enjoy that. But, um, Swire, how did you spend your week off? Are you still home now? Yeah, I'm still home. So, I, after the season, I obviously was able to come back to Rhode Island. And uh, it, it's been great just being able to spend time with the family. Took the first week almost like completely off. Um, tried not to touch a basketball, and then uh, got back to it this past week. Starting starting to rev it up, rev up the workouts, um, and man, just like the amount of I was thinking about the other day, the amount of knowledge I have this year compared to this time last year, um, it's it's honestly game changing, man. It's like <laughs> it's just unbelievable to have experienced that 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 playoff run, but at the same time. Um, I feel like I've gotten a lot better, and it's gonna be it's gonna be able to be shown mm-hmm. in, in summer league this year. 
Do you have uh, do you have a little, do you feel like you have some more clout at home? Even though I mean you've been a, a prodigy around the Portsmouth uh, parts like your entire life, but I feel like when you come home, it's like oh, it's Cole Swider. He's on the Lakers. There's there's a little bit more pull there. Do you feel like the, even more of the man when you're walking around? Yeah, I mean a little bit, but I, I don't really. There's not like a like a downtown in Portsmouth or anything like that. It's not like a place where you can like walk around and like really be seen. So yeah, people are spotting you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I definitely got spotted a little bit down in Newport. Um, when I went, it was funny. I, I, the first night I got home, I, I stayed in Boston, and with, went out with a couple, a couple of my friends, and and hung out in the city. And uh, <laughs> we're walking down the street, and I saw two people I knew in the first like thirty seconds of, of yeah. stepping in Boston. So it, it was, it, it's, it's been cool to be home and, and kind of uh, experience it after being in, in the league for a year. You went to a Sox game, right? How's that? Went to, Oh, it was great. I, I always love going to a Sox game every single year. And, and, and Patty, you won't believe this. Just, just shows you how Cuse is just around, right? So, I I knew oh, a girl who worked. I knew I knew a girl who worked in the Red Sox um, ticketing department. I hit her up. She's like, "Oh, I actually don't work here anymore, but I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give your information to um, one of our ticket guys." So I get a text from the ticket guy. He hits me up. Hey, Syracuse twenty two grad was a huge fan of yours when you were at Syracuse. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, he hooked me up, hooked me up with some nice seats, and, and had a great time at the game with my boy Nevin and uh, and and my guy Anthony Tingley. So uh, Island Athletics, for you guys who follow me on uh, Instagram. Yep, yeah, he's, he frequents it. That's awesome. Like Q's tentacles are everywhere. everywhere. It's all over the place, especially living in New York City. I see like multiple times a week someone rocking some uh, some Q's gear. It's also funny for my aspect, like. If I'm on a run, sometimes I'll wear like a Cuse basketball shirt, or like Go if I Cuse. walk home from work, I use the Cuse basketball backpack. And yeah, people will be like, some people like yell "Go Orange," or like you'll kind of just give each other the nod. But yeah. a lot of times, Swider, I get like the they look at my shorts and they see a number on it, and they're like, "What the hell? Were you on the basketball?" <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way that's actual gear from the team. I'm like hell yeah, it is. Schwarl's issued. Yeah, but there's like a million uh, examples of that. Have you been watching the finals? I'm assuming. Of course, man. It's it's been it's always been an entertaining finals so far, and, and it's like I feel like it's like almost like the series of the role player. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. In game one, you saw Denver's role players play really well, the Michael Porter Juniors and all those guys, and then in game two, you saw Miami Heat's role players really step up, and Duncan Robinson have a big ten point. Uh, beginning of the fourth quarter, you see Gabe Vincent really like playing really well. I had 23 points last night, and those have been the two kind of stories of, the, of game one and game two. I still think Denver's a much better team. I think I think they'll probably win in probably five or six, but it's gonna be a hell of a series, man. I'm, I'm excited. I agree with you. I was happy Miami won last night though, just to make it like a lot more interesting. But it was like you're saying, it was the most impressive part about last night is coming into the series. I think anyone else would have just assumed like uh, any game that the Heat win. Butler's probably gonna yeah, have to Jimmy's be like superhuman. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean he was all right last night, but that was definitely like not an A plus J Butt game. But as we always say, Duncan Robinson there to save the day. Hundred percent, man. He, he uh, it's just we talk about this with Terrence a little bit, but it's just like the NBA. There's so many good players. There's so many things that these coaches have to think about. Like Terrence talks about at the beginning of every single year, he has to like kind of fight his way back in the rotation, fight his way back playing, and to see Duncan kind of 
go from being a, a consistent starter in the NBA, being a better than average starter in the NBA, to get, getting that deal, and then last year kind of getting exposed a little bit in the playoffs, and then being able to come back and be better this year than he was before, yeah. and and be so effective when he gives me checks in the game, it's just unbelievable to kind of see that. And I, honestly, I, I smile every single time he plays well because it helps me out. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's the blueprint. <laughs> Definitely is. It's not so because like he was a DNP in the one playing game, and like if Hero doesn't get hurt, he's probably not getting as many minutes. So it's just like all opportunity. Um, but it's sick that he's like actually taking advantage of it in the fucking NBA Finals. Yeah, no, he he's he's obviously everyone knows of his high level uh, shooting ability but he the way he's putting the ball on the floor getting to the basket finishing over guys and, and being awesome. able to to play to play like he's dribbling the ball now coming off of ball screens here and there like he's he's doing his thing man and it makes me happy yeah so you, you still got Denver in 6 though I got Denver in 6 I just think that they have too many good players Michael Porter and Will and Kentavious Caldwell Pope aren't going to play like that for three more games. Yeah, Porter, um, like, really, really struggled last night. It's been kind of like – it's kind of like that for, for him and the Nuggets, though. Like, when he plays well, they're unbeatable. When he doesn't play well, it feels like there's there's, yeah. some, ten, there's some tension with Malone and him, and he comes off the court, like, kind of pouting a little bit sometimes. And um, But when he when his head's right and he plays well, I don't think there's I, – I literally don't think Nuggets can lose. <laughs> If he plays yeah, well. he's he's uh, the X factor, if you will. Because you yeah. know Murray and Jokic are showing up every game, but that is a good point. If he if he like plays, there's sometimes where you're like this guy is definitely an all star, but the Michael Porter content on uh, like TikTok, I don't know if you get those. No. Where he, he just like never passes. No, so he doesn't. Like I don't no, know. Doesn't. People just just meme it up about it, and they they always crack me up. But also, like, the thing, the thing with Michael Porter is that, like, he doesn't have a high usage rate. So it's not like he's coming off of ball screens and, like, looking for guys and probing. It's like, when he catches it, it's like, you're 6'10". Like, you can get your shot off whenever. Just shoot it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I, I see both sides of it. Yeah, he definitely, um, I don't know, he's, he's a bit of a jack. But <laughs> it's literally just, like, the ball touches his hands, he immediately shoots it. There's not many dribbles involved, like you're saying. Yeah. But, yeah, I actually kind of agree, I think. I think my prediction is still Denver in five. But, Swatter, since we le- talked last time, giant news out of uh, central New York. Judiments back with the orange. Um, I was very, like, pre- pleasantly surprised by it. I didn't have any, um, like, intel. I had not asked anyone on the team. I usually hit up the walk-ons for stuff like that. But I kind of just assumed he was gone. Seemed like he yeah. played well at the, the combine. And then, bang, one-minute video. Cuse Athletics, he's back, um, and yeah, they're they're loaded now. They already were, but obviously adding him, he was like one of the best players in the or freshman in the country. You know, Judah obviously had a great freshman year, but when you look at his game, sometimes it's like, how can he improve to make himself a lock first round pick? Right? It's like, like for him, like going into the second round, especially with the third two way contract being put in for the NBA for the 2023-2024 season, like. He could easily. Wait, te- teams are getting three cop, three G league, or two ways. Teams are getting three two ways going into next year. So, oh, the, I didn't it's, know that. It's an incentive for teams to sign older players, is to have older players in the roster. So basically, like mostly every single second round pick is going to be put on a two way, just because oh, the, really? th- those contracts aren't guaranteed. 
or, or they, they're not required to give them a guaranteed contract. So I think it is smart in, in Judah's case and a bunch of other people's cases of going back because it's like if Judah were to come out, Hopefully he would get a guaranteed contract, but but now he's going back to Syracuse, he's being able to work on his weaknesses. He's going to be able to make some NIL money that that I heard he agreed on last year. Um, so super excited for him, super excited for him to be back, and uh, just really really exciting news. And Patty, you know what's re- some other really exciting news? What's that? That I'm clean. I'm I'm feeling good. I'm back. <laughs> what a segue. What a segue, huh? I'm, I'm feeling clean, and I'm just fired up with this new partnership that we have. This new partnership yeah, that we, we have with Manscaped. I think we need a just, round Let's just clap it up. Let's clap it yeah. up for Manscaped. Adam, get it in there. But, uh, yeah, absolutely fired up about this. In, in our week off, I think it was at the end of the week before last, Manscaped hit us up. I saw it come in the inbox. I was like, oh, my God. It's, it's time. Our it's first, time. Our first, our first sponsor. Um, Manscaped, tremendous product, but I don't know. Do you want? Do you want to do our first ad read? You got or it. Should I do you, the you, honors. You, you, you've been waiting for this. Support for the Cole Swider Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. The products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join us actually put it over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. We got a promo code for you guys, our first in the history of the show. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SWIDER, all caps, that's S-W-I-D-E-R at manscaped.com. And like we mentioned, over 8 million users worldwide. If our math is correct here, that's about 16 million balls, SWIDER. Wow, that's, that's great. That's great to hear. I'm not going to lie to you, Patty. I might have tried it out, and it is a great, great product. Um, five stars on my on my side, but get 20% off of free shipping with the code SWITER at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code SWITER, as Patty just said, S-W-I-D-E-R. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Manscaped, great Great company, great partnership. Super excited for you guys to try this out. Um, I'm definitely gonna be hitting up all my group chats, all all my all my guys to to use their products, and I'm pleasantly surprised with how high quality the products are over at Manscaped. I've been dying to pull the trigger on one of these grooming packages for a while. So when I saw this come in, like I said, I was I was very fired up. The best part about this this partnership, this ad read, is I we won't have to like give lip service. We love the product. We got ourselves some undies. We got some T-shirts. And, uh, yeah, we're feeling good. Smell great. I'm wearing a T-shirt right hygienic now. Hygienic men. Yeah, very, yeah. you got to check out the YouTube t-shirt. for that. Very, very comfortable T-shirt I wore during the, during the interview with Terrence. So he knows that I'm clean down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, thank you to Manscaped. This is truly an honor. Please code Swatter. <laughs> At manscaped.com. And without further ado, it's time for te- the Terrence interview. So appreciate you guys and uh, follow us on all platforms. And here's Terrence. Before history is written, Bobby Orr, behind the net, the it's played. Tonelli, the nice He's 
Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Sweater Show. We have probably our biggest guest, our biggest guest with uh, Terrence Mann this week. So, um, Terrence, one of my good old friends, played BABC together when I or I, I watched him play BABC when I was fourteen. I, I start I started to get to know Terrence, but Terrence, a four year NBA veteran, the forty eighth pick in the two thousand nineteen NBA draft. So, super excited to have you. Welcome, Terrence. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Finally, we got on here. Yeah, not for sure, bro. It's been a we, we we've been trying to get Terrence on for the last couple of weeks, man, and, and we finally got to we finally got it to work out, man. But but first off, Terrence, I mean, how, how you feeling? Obviously, a, a real up and down season for you guys as a whole, but a good season for you. So, but what's that? What's that kind of? How was that like this year? Um, you know, it was, it was a pretty interesting year. Um, like you said, up and down for us. Uh, also, up and down for me. You know, start off the year only playing like five to 10 minutes for like the first 10 games, kind of figuring out my role on the team, uh, trying to figure out what I could bring to the team. And then, you know, finally figuring that out and just trying to stay consistent in my role. But um, it was a weird year for us, a lot of injuries and stuff. So it was weird. How come, I mean, it seems like every single year that you have to fight that adversity. I, I don't know we're just getting started, but like every single year, it seems like you, you prove yourself one year, the next year, you kind of have to fight for your spot again. Like, what is that like, right? Because is that the NBA? Is that what you've kind of figured out, you and Bruce have kind of figured out? Or is that just your your luck, if that makes sense? Um, I, I think that's just how my style of game is, man, because I do so many different things. I think coaches have a hard time of, you know, in the beginning of the season trying to figure out exactly where I fit. And then I think after a couple of games, they just realize I need to be out there, you know, no matter yeah. what. No matter what position it is, um, I feel like I just make the team better. So, um, you know, to start the year, every you know every coach in the NBA wants to go, oh, okay, I got two point guards, I got three shooting guards, I got three small fours, and it's kind of hard to categorize me in yeah. one of those positions. Yeah. So I kind of get lost in that, um, I guess, on the board with the coaches. But then after a while, you know, I, I'm, I expect it. Every year I go into the season, I'm like, I know um, this is going to be some bullshit in the beginning. <laughs> it's crazy. I, you're the ultimate glue guy. You know what I mean? Like every team needs a guy like you. And and in the NBA, it's like you're a guy who can guard all five positions. You're a guy who can who has shown he can shoot the ball. Who's shown you can get to the basket. You're at you're athletic. You're a slasher. It's like how do you keep a guy like you off the court? But it's funny every single year, you and Bruce. I mean, Bruce not so much this year, but in previous years. In the rotation, out of the rotation. Me and him are kind of carving a role for future players like us. Like, I think eventually, I think of these next, our window, these next five years, it's going to be big for me and Bruce to be able to be like, all these organizations are going to be like, all right, we need players like that. You know, we need at least yeah. one of the players like that on our team um, at all times. So, you know, trying to figure that out. I think both of you guys, too, what's been like pretty impressive, especially in your scenario, you mentioned before, like, it's no secret you guys have had a lot of injuries and there's lineup changes like game to game a lot but you guys are both able to basically just like completely change the role like depending on who the, like how many minutes you're playing who's starting that game it's like you could go out be the main ball handler like you know go for 25 really like run the offense through you but then when Kawhi and PG or like Russ are back it's kind of like you 
go into that glue guy more role where it's maybe you're not getting as many shots, but you're still like impacting the game in completely different ways. But do you feel like that's like a learned skill when you got to the league, or have you always sort of like been able to play like that? Um, I think for myself, I feel like I've always been able to play like that, and I think that's what that's you know how I got so far in the league because I used that tool. Um, I think in AU, it started in AU a long time ago, starting with BABC. Yep. It was really positionless basketball unless you were a four mm-hmm. or five. So, like, one, two, one through three, you were just doing whatever. You know, you nobody's ball dominant in that offense. We run the same offense called fist. You know what <laughs> I mean? Ball, the ball's moving. So you learn to, like, just do a whole bunch of different things that way. And I think that kind of helped me, um, you know, throughout my career. That's, that's how Florida State is, too. It's just, like, it's not really positions. It's just, like, every guy can, like, be a slasher, just super athletic. So, yeah, I mean, it all makes sense. Yeah. Hey, Terrence, j- j- just for me, how many different positions do you think you played this year? There was a point where they were playing you at the point guard. There's there a point where you play small ball five in some lineups. Like, well, do you play all five positions? Yeah, this year I played all five. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this year I played all five, and then not last year. Last year I probably played four positions, but then the year before that I also played all five. So, yeah. Well, at one point I started. I, I started. I want to say at the five. I think at one point two years ago. So, yeah, for a little while. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember Ty Lue talking about how he's going to play you at the one, and then I see you in the playoffs playing the four, and it's just. I mean. That's another thing I want to ask about, right? Like, you guys had a bunch of roster changes this year if it was through signing Russ at the end of the year with the trade at the trade deadlines or even just having to fix – have to go in a game with different lineups because of injury, right? How How is this season in terms of just, like, preparing yourself to go out and play every single game with the roster just changing so much and then having to, having to completely change it once Russ gets there for, right before the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy. Um, it it wasn't easy for us, and you saw it. I think, you know, in the beginning, it was tough for us. We had so many injuries. We, you know, we were trying with John Wall. John Wall brought us great energy and stuff. Um, I thought he did a great job. Um, but then he went down with injury, so then he was sitting out for a little. So then our whole dynamic kind of changed with our roster. Um, I started playing backup point for a little while, and then I started starting at the point for like 15 to 20 yeah. games. And then we got Russ, and then that whole thing changed our whole roster because then we lost Reggie, we lost Luke Kennard, um, you know, so that changed it up a bit. Then we, then you seen we struggled. We lost six games straight when we got Russ. Yeah. So it was tough for us to figure out, like, you know, exactly how to play together in a way, but it was just because we had a new roster. You know, you have a whole new roster in the middle of the season. You got to figure that shit out, and it's not easy, especially when we played the Kings twice. They were really good. Like, the teams we were playing were really good. So it didn't help that we were playing, you know, top of the league teams at the same time. Um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't easy, but, you know, we had to figure it out. And I think we did figure it out, you know, towards the end. And then For Paul sure. got hurt and then he went down. Um, so that was tough. And then we started to figure it out again in the playoffs. We, we won the first game um, versus Phoenix. We thought we had, you know, we had them figured out. And then Kawhi went down and then it was just like, you know, it was tough. Yeah, that was the worst. That series would have had like that would have been one of the more like entertaining first round series I could remember if if everyone was healthy. But um, going off that though, that game one win was like crazy, and I think Russ had the best three for twenty <laughs> from the 
from the field game that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> so, which sounds, I mean, it, it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but, like, it was it was not like, making the plays at the end and everything. But um, I don't know, like, how much you want to speak to it, but how, how do you think that series goes if you guys actually are fully healthy? Um, I mean, I think I felt like we had enough, even just with Kawhi, to, to beat them. Right. Um, but, I mean, if we're completely healthy, I obviously, you know, feel like we would have won the series. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been easy, you know. It wouldn't have been a in four sure. or five type of thing, but um, I think we could have pulled it out for sure, and you know, gave Denver a good run also in the next round. For sure, man. So you leave, you end up, you end up come, doing all four years of college, then you go, you go into the draft, and you were a second round pick. Talk about that pre-draft experience because you weren't, you weren't like a high. You weren't on any top 100 boards that I can remember. You weren't like this solidified draft pick. What was your mindset going into the pre-draft process, and and uh, how was that pre-draft process for you? Um, man, that's that shit was not easy. Uh, yeah, it wasn't an easy thing. I I, I was I was on a few draft boards somewhere in the 50s. Um, I, you know, every week I'd be in and out on on draft boards, but so they told me. I had to go to Portsmouth. That's the only invite I had was Portsmouth to yeah. start off. So I went to Portsmouth, and then um, from Portsmouth, while, while while I was at Portsmouth, the the day before Portsmouth, I was working out with my my coach. I got hurt. I, my elbow was swelled swelled up like it was huge. So I was panicking. I couldn't shoot the ball. Like it, I was in pain. So I went into Portsmouth, not able to shoot. I just went off the strength of just doing other things. So I was like. I can't shoot threes right now. I can't shoot free throws, nothing. Like, I was just out there, you know, doing the intangibles. And then I got off there. I got an invite to the G League Combine. So I, I recovered, went to the G League Combine. That, that was cool. Um, you know, they I guess they were only going to invite 10 people from the G League Combine to the regular Combine. And at first I had missed that window, I guess. And then I was on my way to the airport. They called me. They're like, yo, we invite you to the NBA Combine, blah, blah, blah. So then I went. I got invited to the NBA combine. Did that whole process. Then after that, did like fifteen workouts for teams. Um, so it was a long ass process. It all started in Portsmouth, though. Like that was the only thing I had going for myself at first. That was the same thing with me, man. I started out as, as a Portsmouth guy too, and going to Portsmouth, like you realize that everyone there, it, like we're, we're great college players, but like they're all trying to get to the. NBA combine they're all trying to prove themselves so it's hard to play in that environment talk about that Portsmouth experience because it's like what the one thing NBA teams want to see you do in that in that environment is shoot the basketball and you have a and you have a bruised elbow so like that that must be so mentally because the one thing that they haven't seen you done is, is shoot the three at the at a consistent at a consistent uh clip and and that's what everybody was talking about and everybody was like you know we just want to see you shoot the three they would tell all my coaches want to see you shoot the three <laughs> Uh, it was tough. I couldn't. Like I physically <laughs> could not shoot the three. <laughs> and um, so yeah. So the team I had at Portsmouth, though, it was a lot of guys I was familiar with, and we were all cool. Yeah. We we kind of you know learned how. I think Jalen Adams was on my team. Um, a couple other guys that I was really cool with. So we you know we played off each other and made sure that each other shined in different ways. So um, you know I always respect those guys for that, and I think we all went on to do pretty well. Um, but. But yeah, man, it, it really wasn't an easy thing to do because I was just like, I'm gonna have to get this uh, G League Combine invite off of doing other shit, and then at the G League Combine, that's when I'm gonna shoot when once I'm recovered. Yeah, seriously. 
That's nuts, Seriously. though. I mean, if, if your elbow was healthy, you might have been like a top 10 pick then. <laughs> you don't know what would have happened if I was out there. Because, I mean, I always – colleges, everybody was always like, you know, we don't know if you can shoot. I always knew I could shoot. I just didn't yeah. – just wasn't used to shooting a lot. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't used yeah. to shooting like four – Four, five, four through eight threes a game. I'm used to shooting one or two, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I just loved getting to the basket so much that that's what I relied on. But obviously the game changes, so I had to adapt with it. And, you know, I was I would always tell them, like, yo, I can shoot, I can shoot, I can shoot. Like, trust me, you know what I'm saying? I'd go to their workouts. You know, they everybody, every team would have the, you know, the Hawks would have their little 100, 105, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And I'm always, like, 68 plus, you know, 68 to 80 every time I go through those. So they're like, oh, you can shoot. Why don't you shoot more? I'm like, I just, I'm not used to it. Like, that wasn't my mm-hmm. game. ABC, I always drove to the basket. You know what I'm saying? I was getting steals, dunks. So that's all I was doing. In college, I was coming off ball screens, making reads, getting to the basket. So, um, yeah, I just never, like, so now people are seeing, like, oh, yeah, he can shoot. Terrence, like, talk about, because you were, like, a early, like, you were always good. Like, I don't, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but like I always remember you being like the number one player in New England, the top five player in New England. Do you think? And then you were also able to to continue that throughout your whole entire high school, the whole entire college career, make it to the NBA. Do you think just being so much physically bigger than than guys at a young age kind of took away from your ability to to figure out how to shoot? Because you were able to be so dominant from such a young age of just getting to the basket every single time, and no one was able to stop you even to your senior year of college. Talk talk about talk about. Do you think if you didn't have that physical capabilities right away, like you would have developed that sh- that shot a, a little bit differently? Yeah, I think one hundred percent. I think you know, ever since I was younger, I was always I wasn't the tallest, but I was always fast and strong. So strong, I just yeah. those abilities to get to the basket um, as best I can, and I think that definitely took away from my love to just shoot the ball from three or you know shoot middies and stuff like that. I just never you know thought I had needed to. So, you know, you bring up a good point where even in high school, you know, in the league that we played and I just was still faster and stronger than a lot of players. So And better and, and could dribble and shoot. One of the <laughs> biggest players on the court. It was nah, – no one could guard him, bro. Like, it was – You used to body swatter? I really did everything that year. <laughs> um, shit, that year I won that, that – my last of the year. year. I won player of the year. Championship. Yeah, we had Donovan Mitchell up in New Hampshire. Like, I won Gatorade Play of the Year over all those guys. So, um, it, it was pretty cool. Not for sure, man. You were such a physical force in high school and obviously EYBL, everything. But then you get to the NBA. Obviously, you were a second-round pick, and your rookie year was strange with the COVID lockdown. You're in and out of the G League. Talk about just that rookie year and, and how you are able to remain confident and and strong and, and work on your skills when, when, you did, when there was no certainty of – I'm playing with the with the Clippers or or I'm playing with Agua Caliente at the time. Um, that that wasn't easy, but I had I had really good vets my my rookie year, man. The, those yeah. guys, those guys, man, they they helped me through it. Um, you know, they just I had a lot of guys who took the G League route also. As yeah. Models. So they they were like they act like it was normal. You know what I mean? They didn't look at it as like. Oh, you're in the G League and made you feel some type of way about it. You know what I mean? That's like part of the process. That's every 80% of these players in the NBA are going through that. You know what I'm saying? If you're not lottery, you're not high first round, you know, you you most likely going through the G League path. And I was, I was, I accepted it with open arms. I had a great time in the G League. I had a great time. So um, 
it wasn't that difficult at first. And then, you know, after time, it started to get difficult. Just always being in the G, kind of getting in my own head. Like, you know, you know how it is, man. Am I ever going to be? Why am I not up top? Yeah. Uh, you go to the games, you want to be out there, you see, you know what I'm saying? You, you're on the bench, you're not dressed, you're like, you know what I'm saying? So, but it's part of the process, you know, everybody goes through it and you got to embrace it in order for it to benefit you. Yeah, I mean, look at Miami right now. Their whole roster is, is all G guys. Exactly, man. All of them, damn near all of them. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. All of them. But, but do you have, uh, I think... Swire, so you could correct me if I'm wrong, but we've only talked to maybe one or two guys that were in the bubble that year. And for you, like experiencing that as a rookie, I'm sure it was like a complete whirlwind. But do you have a bubble story that like kind of gives a, a peek behind the curtain of like how weird that time was as a player? Uh, a bubble story that I can say on camera. <laughs> uh, we could cut it. <laughs> I can't think of any, man. I know everybody talks about that one big meeting where all the teams were yeah. there. On you know, and Braun stood up and said his piece, and it was it was really iconic. Like that that if you were there for that, that's gonna go down in history for sure. That that bubble meeting, it was crazy. Like I think that's just one of the biggest ones, man. But I I personally enjoyed the bubble as a player because I was in the you were in the gym. That's all you could do. You you were in the gym. You could go to the gym, go to your room. Those are your only two options. Or you could go fishing like on the little lake. Everybody's <laughs> catching the same fish. It's like ten fish. <laughs> In the lake, everybody, everybody's catching the same one. So, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the bubble, and I got way better. And it made me realize that I belong. Like just being able to live with other NBA players, like like it's like summer camp. You realize that everybody's human, and that you belong. Yeah, yeah. So it really helped my process mentally. For sure, man. Like I can only imagine being locked in that space, but at the same time, like. Just being around those guys. Talk about that that meeting a little bit, because there's always been stories, and that they said Pat Pat Bev was talking, and and guys were trying to step up and use their voice. But when it comes down to it, like LeBron is the driving force when it comes to those meetings. Like, just can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So you know, the the Bucks obviously had something go down in Milwaukee, so they they decided to sit out their game, and the game that they sat out in kind of messed up everything for the bubble because that game needed to be played. So they called a big, a huge, you know, all teams meet in the ballroom at this hotel. So, you know, I'm a rookie still. So I'm seeing, you know, Damian Lillard, Carmelo, pulling up to the meeting, you know, in there. Everybody's in pajamas. Like, it's just like real, like slumber. It's like real slumber party type vibes. Think about that shit, bro. That's crazy. 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 Like, was it every player? Every single player that was in the ballroom. Yeah. So it was really crazy. Like any everybody you could think of. Um it was crazy. Jakeem Noah was on our team. Like the the legendary vibe in the in the ballroom <laughs> was just ridiculous. And like so we're in there and I think a couple guys got on the mic and was like, yo, I don't think we all realize this, but th- I don't think this has ever happened in NBA history where all the players are in one room like this. Like you yeah. never never gonna probably get this again, you know. So let's take advantage of it. Let's talk, let's see what we can come up with. Blah, 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 blah. And I think everybody kind of wanted to hear what Bron had to say, but he wasn't speaking up. Like he was just chilling, listening to what everybody has to say. And then um, Udonis Haslam gets on the mic and he's like, bro, like, what, let's just end this meeting right now. Because if Bron's not going to talk and then Bron's not going to say what he wants to do and how he wants to handle this, then there's no point of talking. We just might as well all go home. <laughs> and as a rookie, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, if we go home, 
we get no money. Like, and other yeah. the guys were cool with that because they got their millions in their accounts. So they're like, all right, let's go home. Fuck it. And I'm I'm like, no, we cannot go home. Like, <laughs> I need this money, man. Rent rent in LA is crazy. Yeah, I, facts. I mean, like they're they were already taking, I think, like 19, 20% of our of our check because we weren't playing games because of the hiatus. So we yeah. were already shit cut. Plus the LA tax. Like it was just all, you know, the checks were not the same. So I think Pat Bev gets on the mic and he just, you know, he he gets into his Pat Bev mode. And yeah, he gets, yeah, yeah. Mad. he gets mad. You know, he's like, "What are we really doing here? Let's, you know, let's figure some shit out." Blah blah blah. So then Bron finally gets on the mic. He's like, "I'm with whatever y'all want to do." He's like, "Y'all know I don't need, you know, this money, but I want to play." You know, he's like, "Let's just do it and, and figure it out." And I think, you know, Giannis said his piece. And, you know, it was crazy. It was really a legendary moment. Being around Bron, I'm not surprised at all because, like, LeBron's, like, the most, like, team-oriented guy that, like, wants to, like, not, like, please everyone, but, like, he cares about what other people think. You know what I mean? Like, he cares about, about like, his peers and, and, and how they feel about certain situations. And, like, one thing about Bron that people, like, have, have misconstrued is, like, he wants to be, like, coached. He wants to be in, in a good environment with guys who are, who are, who are challenging him to be better. He's, he's not, like, the the alpha that just takes over a room is like no we're doing this you know what i mean like he he actually wants to be involved with everyone so it's cool to kind of hear that he was doing at that meeting too Mm -hmm. yeah you know i was gonna ask about that like how was it your rookie year being around him and ad and just like nobody nobody really gets to have that you know what i'm saying like yeah me and you were lucky in a sense where our rookie year we get I got to be around Paul George, Kawhi, Lou Will, like a bunch of guys, Pat Bev. You get to be around Braun. You got a you had a whole roster, Russ, everybody. So like, how was that? You know, going from college basketball to that. It's just. I, I think the craziest part. I think the craziest part was that like. LeBron's always been my favorite player, right? Like I remember watching the 2018 Finals, like seeing them lose, going to the gym, be like, yo, I, I gotta I gotta go help Braun out. You know what I mean? Like I, like I, I gotta get there one day. You know what I mean? And and then for me to finally like be on the lake, like to be on the Lakers, like first of all, that, that's that's God, bro. Like there's no way, like that's like I'm literally doing this in 2018, and then I end up on the Lakers five years later. It's crazy with the with the path that I had to go through in college to finally get there. Um, and then once I got there, you know, what I mean, you have this like these perceived notions of what the media tells you about certain players, right? Like about Russ and about Pat and about. Braun and AD and all these guys and then you get there and you realize like yo these guys eating shit just like all of us bro you know what I mean like like they're not doing anything that's like crazy I mean LeBron does all like the sleep tanks and sleep chambers and eats eats really well and does all that stuff but like he'll still have a cookie every now and then he'll still eat a bag of chips not every now and then like in my mind like these guys are like the ultimate professionals doing everything like so, like, just to be around those guys, just to see, like, their work habits, to see how they prepare every single day, like, to be cool with Russ. Like, Russ was, took me under his wing from the beginning, which was awesome. Um, Pat Pat Bev will give you, like, that tough love if, if he sees something in you. You feel me? Like, like, he got on my ass. Nah. Nah. Like, like he, he got on my ass in training camp, like. He, he was testing me. You know what I mean? He was testing me. Cause I, so, like, the, the story is, like, I, I had a good game against the Timberwolves in, in the preseason. And, like, his thing was, like, he didn't want me to get satisfied. Like, no, like, he doesn't know me as a person. So, like, I could see, like, a rookie coming in, like, getting satisfied. Bro, I've never been satisfied in my life. You feel me? Like, I, 
Like, I, I want this shit. So I had a good game against the Timberwolves in preseason. And the next practice, like, I, like, forgot to play. So, like, the, the lineup was, like, me, AD, Braun, um, Pat, and Russ. And, and Pat calls a play um, for me, like, pistol action. But it, it's, like, a pistol keep to come off a ball screen with AD. So, in my head, I'm thinking, like, so we have these five players on the court, and, I, and he has me come off a ball screen? Like, I, that can't be right. So, Pat throws me the ball. I, I pitch it back to him, thinking that he wants to come off the ball screen. I'll go to the corner, and I'll shake up for a three or something, right? So, I, I mess up that play. He's like, Rook, wake up. Wake up, Rook. You satisfied as shit? Don't be one-dimensional. Don't be one-dimensional. You had a good game. Don't be satisfied. So he's on my ass the whole entire practice. After pr- in front of everybody, in front of in front of Rob Palinka, in front of Darv. Like he's he's showing me up, like in front of everybody. So then, so then we do like this little drill after, and Pat is still going on me, right? So like during training camp, they were telling me like, yo, shoot it every single time. Every time it touches your hand, shoot the ball. So. What happens? I, I get a ball. I get a pass. I shoot like a contested shot when Pat's right next to me. He's like, this motherfucker's so one-dimensional, man. So one-dimensional. <laughs> In front of everyone. So then, whatever, like, we practice ends. We, we get on the plane to go to Sacramento for, like, our last preseason game. And uh, and Pat's on the plane talking about me with Braun, AD, and Russ. He's like... Man, this dude could be good, but he's got to lock in. He's getting too satisfied, man. I can't, I can't deal with that shit. He's getting too satisfied. So, like, just having having those experiences, like, was great for me as a rookie just to be able to be like, all right, like, like you got to be on your shit every single day, especially when you're in a position that I was in. Being around those guys, like, like, like they're here. For, like, like, Braun was there for me anything I needed, like, any question. I'd be like, yo, Braun, is it cool to ask a question right now? I'd be like, yo, I got you. You know what I mean? Like, just checking the vibe, checking the room, so... I mean, it was amazing to be around those guys, and, and honestly, like to see like how we cha- how we changed throughout the season from roster and having a whole new team at the trade deadline, making the West Conference Finals. It was it was a great experience, bro. No, yeah, I bet, I bet, man. I, I know exactly, you know what you had to go through, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move off off Pat Bet, I wanted to ask actually about the clip from his pod, competing pod, Pat Pev Pod, where he uh, basically said like, "I told Terrence Mann like take my job, like." Do you have uh, your side to that story? Was that true? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. Like, he literally encouraged me every day to to right. be better than he was. You know what I mean? Like, I think he saw the potential in me and what I could be, and I didn't know it yet. But him hearing it from him, and it took a while. It took a while to prove to Pat Bev and to Lou Will and those guys that I belong. Like, not not until halfway through my second year there. Wow. That I think they really felt like, okay, he's a he's a part of this team. He's a part of our culture because they had all that before I got there. Mm-hmm. And I was just a rookie. Like, I was just a young guy, rookie, second-year guy, trying to figure it out in the league. Like, so they had their culture, and I was trying to join their culture as a young guy. And they already was and – they're and they're trying to win a championship at the same time. Like, we were championship contenders that year. If, if Kawhi Leonard didn't get hurt, I believe we would have had a ring that year when we went to Western Conference Finals. So I agree with you. We that's that's what it was like trying to carve out a role and get gain their respect while they're they're deep in their career trying to win a championship. That shit was so hard, man. But I finally, you know, I feel like I, I gained their their trust just being just hang, I think it was more off the court stuff like, you know, going to their room, hanging out with them, um, going to their house, going to any functions they had. Like I was one of those young guys that was at everything that they said they were doing. 
because I wanted to like, you know, just gain their respect. Like I was just like, I'm locked in on this NBA shit. I want to be in the NBA. I don't want to be anywhere else. So I'm going to just do everything I can play the game, um, play the, the game away from the game and just be a great rookie, 100%. you know, have these guys respect me so that when other teams ask like, yo, you respect Terrence, you think he should be on our roster. It's a no brainer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was my mentality and it took a while, but Pat Bev was right, man. He encouraged me to just be, you know, I was his backup. So he wanted to see me be great. And I think eventually Western Conference Finals, I was starting. I, I started the whole Western Conference Finals. He came off the bench. Um, he was in and out the in and out the starting lineup, but you know, that's how it ended up being. So which mm-hmm. is crazy. Like I did not see that from the from the beginning. Hey Terrence, let's let's talk about that run a little bit because you obviously have that big 39 point game. They have Rudy Gobert guarding you and, and he's they're letting you shoot and you just completely light him up, have 39. Talk about that playoff run and how much that changed your life, right? And then another question I want to ask, you can answer this after you answer that initial question, is that you signed a two-year extension with two years left on your deal that you haven't even touched yet. How, like, is that something that's, like, not common in the NBA? Because I've never heard of, like, you haven't even, like, seen that money yet. And, like, how how is that? How is that? So, just, all right, so just, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll start <laughs> off with that one. I'll start off with that one. Um, yeah. Two-year extension. Um. I signed it because I figured, okay, we're in a position, the Clippers are in a position where they want to win now. And I yeah. don't know what, they, what they're going to do with me. I'm a late second-round pick. Like, they could just get rid of me. Nothing's guaranteed. I mean, you know how it is. So I was like – 100%. My, my agent was like, we have the opportunity to sign an extension. It's a bridge contract, so it'll bridge you into your third contract and you'll be coming off – I think I'm getting 11 and a half on the, on the second year next year. So – yeah. I'll be coming off that into free agency, which is really good. And I'm making 1.5 at the time. So I'm like, this is, I'm doing it. Like, I don't care what they're talking about. It could be three years from now. It's guaranteed money. So I'm doing it. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, in hindsight, a lot of people say bet on yourself, but you never know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? I'm a second round pick. I'm in and out the rotation. Like, I, I don't feel that comfortable and locked in in the rotation to where I feel like I could bet on myself. You know what I mean? So I was just like, I'm going to do it. You know, fuck it. I'm going to do it. And, you know, it worked out. Hey, and before you get to the next question, like, how is that brought, like, obviously, like, there's, there's, there's stuff that happens every single year, right? But, like, how is that brought up? Like, you know, we have, to, you have it for two more years, but, like, we want you for another two years. Like, how does that conversation start? Well, it started with my agent. He was like, we had the opportunity to do this. I'm looking at, you know, the, the the tables. I'm looking at when the new money kicks in. Like, this would be a good idea. He had the idea first. I was like, you think so? Like, you don't think I should just play out this year and then sign a big, like, you know, 60 or 70, whatever, 80. <laughs> He's like, man, this is bridge contract. Like, you know, he, he kind of figured it out. And then we approached the Clippers. With CBA, with yeah. We, yeah, we approached the Clippers with it. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. Like, you know, it's, it's easy for them. You know, it's a... It's a good tradable contract if I don't plan, pan out the way they wanted me to these past two years that I was with yeah. them. These past two years was kind of like, okay, is he playing well enough for this bridge contract? And if he's not, we could just, you know, pay him this money, trade him, whatever. It's a real tradable contract, you know, so it was a win-win for both sides. And, um, you know, it was a no-brainer for them also. So, yeah. Yeah. Shout out sure. to Biden, man. Shout out to Bill Duffy. It's a super <laughs> hey, smart, smart way to look at it. Yeah. Hey, hey, that, that sounds like a great agent to me, man. 
Ain't it a great agent, man? <laughs> That's a great agent to me. Hey, thank God I'm represented by him too, right? <laughs> yeah, man. WME Sports now. That's what it is. Something like yep, that. Yeah, yeah. But um, the second question that how that run was crazy. Yeah, that that run completely changed my life. Like that run, one hundred percent completely changed my life. Never thought I'd be in that position so soon in my career. Like it was my second yeah. year. Um, never thought that it would be me. I guess like I always knew. I would be in the NBA, but to just have that much success so early on right away um, was pretty, especially the path I was going on. Like I said, in out the rotation, you know, just um, being a young guy, trying to figure it out, trying to prove myself. It was pretty cool. But, you know, shout out to Utah Jazz for guarding me like that. Like, yeah. Dumbest shit in the world, just <laughs> off every time. Like, I don't know how to shoot or some shit. I shot, I think I shot 40% on the season that year with like probably like only one and a half two attempts but like still come on now it's crazy do you do you have to apologize to go bear every time you play against him because you like made sure he's never going to win a deep boy again <laughs> no nah, I, mean, I mean it's not personal it's not personal yeah, no, no. and he was he was just following i guess what the coaches told him like you know this is our game yeah, yeah, yeah. let's stick to it um it worked for them i think when they were when he was guarding you know other guys but other guys were missing and um, you know, we we're down 25 in that game also. So you can't yeah. say it was working. It was just we came back. Terrence, talk about that. Like, because for us, we call it like a free safety guy. Like these are these are, we have a list of every single game. These are free safety guys. It, it goes off percentages. It goes off of attempts. And a lot of times, like these guys are decent shooters. They're NBA players, but they kind of get in their head about like Aaron Gordon, prime example, right? Like when we played him in the regular season. We play him as a free safety guy. He was shooting that. He was shooting the ball every single time. But he was like, "Yo, like, why are they guarding me like this? I can shoot." And he was missing shots, and it worked, right? Being with that free safety, or being used to being that free safety guy, like, is that hard? Is is that something that's like it messes with your mental a little bit, or, or are you just you just like, all right, I had thirty nine against these guys. Like, like I, I know, I know, what, I know how to play like this. So for me, before I had that game, yes, for sure, like. They were they were playing me like that the game before too, and I was you okay. know, I was catching it, hesitating like, man, do I shoot this? There's a reason why I'm open right now. You know, they want me <laughs> exactly. To do I shoot this? Do I? You know, I, I didn't know what the fuck to do. You know, the ball. So I think a big thing about it is your teammates and your coaches. Like, what are they saying to you after you shoot and miss? You know what I mean? That's that was the biggest thing for me. Like my my teammates were like Pat Bev was like. If you don't shoot the ball, I don't care if it hits the the other side of the backboard. He's like, you have to shoot every single time. He's like, we don't care if you miss. It's just part of the offense. It's part of the flow. Like, yeah, he's gonna find you when he feels like he needs to find you. And when he feels like he needs to find you, that means he wants you to shoot it. You know what I mean? So, just having my teammates there to encourage me to shoot it. You know, every time I caught it, or just make a. And they trust me to make a basketball decision. I also didn't shoot it every time. You know what I mean? I yeah. also I also have a high IQ, and I feel like. I made good decisions on, you know, putting it back on the, the ground, pitching it to somebody else who comes off there yeah. wide open because there's nobody guarding me. So um, I think I figured that out. But nowadays, I would love for somebody to do some free safety <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> no matter if I miss three in a row, four in a row, now nah, I don't care. It's just like, I, yeah. know, I feel like I'm a shooter. So, what, One person I've never seen anything like, right? Like, I think this is why Russ is the Hall of Famer he is, is that, like, teams will play him like that and he'll keep shooting like there's no conscience involved like like 
he's just or he'll downhill attack like you can say what you want about Russ like decision making or some of the like some of the things that he may do on the court but he like he just attacks he he attacks that free safety and he, and he like he's he's going at it every single time i remember we were play, he was like the free safety guy when when we played against you guys in the last game of the, of our of the games that we played against you and uh, he made like three or four mid-range jump shots. He was looking right at like Phil Handy the whole entire time. <laughs> Can't call me like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, nah, yeah, I think that's what makes him so great. He makes things happen. Like he, he is gonna make something happen. He doesn't care. Oh, hundred percent. He misses. He doesn't care. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna attack. He's gonna shoot it. Like, I think that's what's difficult about guarding him as a free safety because you know that he's gonna make something happen. So it's tough to just be like, ah, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? Because you know he's gonna do something, so I think, I think the best way to guard him is just keep being honest. Like, don't just be in a free safety mode the whole time. You know, sometimes be up on him. Sometimes, you know, what I'm saying I think you gotta mix it up with him because he's going to make something happen regardless. And that, and that's exactly why he's a Hall of Famer. For sure, it is impressive. Him and Rondo are the two guys that I like come top of mind that are able to actually still just like completely attack even when people do that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think Rondo. I played Rondo his last or second to last season. He was on that that Western Conference Finals team, and yeah. he got to a point where he was like, "I'm gonna shoot it." Like he started shooting a three at a high clip too. He was at that point in his career where he was mm-hmm. like, "I'm gonna just shoot it." He was like, "I was like, why do you just shoot it now?" Because before you used to, he's like, "Cause nowadays you see guys going three for ten from three, and he's like, I could do that too." <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, and that's thirty percent. You know, four for ten, that's forty percent. So he, he had a good point with that. He's like, you know, God, there's stars out there going three for twelve from three, three for ten, four for ten, and that's that's considered, you know, decent. So he's like, I could do that easy too. I think he switched up his mindset with that one. I think the craziest thing about like the NBA, right? I mean you could you could tell me if I'm wrong. From when it comes to like an analytical standpoint, how you're viewed if you shoot one for five compared to two for five in a game or how you like, like it's mind boggling. Like how big of a difference, like two for six or three for six from a game. Like you, you could shoot two for six in one game, four for six, the next game, and then have two games where you shoot like whatever, Oh, for two, Oh, for two. And you're now you're shooting 31% compared to if you make one and one in those other two games, you're shooting 50%. Like it's just and guys based that off how they're gonna guard you. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Like I, I, that's why nowadays I'm just like I'm shooting it. If I'm open, yeah. I'm shooting. I don't care what's going on because it it, like, it it doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter. It's like millions of dollars are, are based on <laughs> if guys shoot one for five compared to two for five. Yeah, or like if you're shooting thirty five percent or thirty nine percent. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's a he's a thirty nine percent shooter. But, like, the guys thirty who's shooting 35 could be just as good as a shooter, you know what I'm saying? He just missed a few. <laughs> yeah. So he's getting a couple million dollars less. That shit's crazy. That's Peyton Pritchard, he just had a, a clip about that. Because, like, especially if you're a role player, you're not necessarily getting, like, 15 shots in a game. Like, he's like, fans will freak out at me. I'll go 0 for 3 in a game. But he's like, that means the next game I'll probably go, like, 3 for 4 because that's what my percentage is. But, like, <laughs> when it's weighed so much more heavily. Yeah, like, especially me. Exactly. That's a great point. Being a role player, like you go over three from three, and people are just like on your head, like you know, why is he missing? Why is he missing? Next game you go four for six. Everybody's praising you up. Leave him in the game. He, he's the best. So NBA Twitter is crazy. 
It's crazy <laughs> when it, they're they're worse than that than, than the front office analytics when it comes to missing made threes. And, and like at the end of the day, that's four for nine. That's forty four percent. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. I always say like if I get enough shots up, I'm gonna shoot over forty. You know what I mean? Like like that's who I am as as a shooter. Uh-huh. Like. In preseason, I was getting, like, a weird amount of shots, and I shot, like, 32%. It's like, yo, like, can he shoot at the NBA level? Like, yo, I just – I've shot 40% <laughs> for the past, like, four years of my life. and You know what I mean? It's just – it's just – it's crazy, man. good example of that is Max Struess. He just went 0 for 9 game one. And then I think he started off game two, 3 for 3 from 3. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sure when he – after he went 0 for 9 game one, people were on Twitter are probably going – Oh, this guy can't don't got it anymore. He can't shoot it anymore. He's thinking in his head like, "Oh, well, next game I'm definitely gonna make at least three of those nine shots." You know what I mean? So, it's just crazy how people don't really understand. Terrence, we won't keep you too much longer. This has been awesome, but um, that's actually a pretty good segue with L.A. Like you're the first Clipper we've had on the podcast, obviously, but. It's it's pretty like apparent. I was I was really deep into Lakers Twitter this this year with Swider being on the on the squad. So I, like I saw kind of how crazy they are. But what's the dynamic from a Clipper and a Laker of like how how is the fan like difference out there? Well, I'm I'm honestly I'm glad that my first few years you know, I wasn't on on the other side on the Lakers side because they're so the fans out here are so crazy when it comes like I'm a Clipper. I could walk down the street. I can go to the grocery store. People are like, yo, Terrence, man, what's up? Like, you know what I'm saying? Nobody really cares because they're all Lakers fans. You know what I'm saying? But I'm sure being a Laker is different. Like, they know who you are. They're, you're playing on their team. You're playing on L.A.'s team. Like, you missing shots. You probably can't go to the grocery store that day. You probably can't <laughs> you know, pump gas. So it's, it's a way different dynamic out here um, that I've noticed going into my fifth year. Like, you really see... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The love for the Lakers out here. You, you can see the difference, but there are a lot of Clippers fans, um, obviously, out here, too. One thing I would say, just being on, being, when we play at the Clippers compared to when we play at the home game, like, for our Laker home games, Terrence, you can tell me if I'm wrong, like, it feels like a performance, like, like with all the stars there, with all the people who are, like, it, it feels like, like you're doing a performance at the Clippers. It feels like a college atmosphere. Like the fans are going crazy. They feel like they're the underdog, especially when we play there. It's like, it's like we're playing at Florida state or at NC state. You know what I mean? Like a, like a big time college environment. So I, I definitely, I think that's one of the biggest differences I've noticed so far. Yeah. 100%. The way you're, you're, you guys lighting is in the arena is way different than ours. Like yeah. you really feel like you really feel like you're in a different place when, when, when we play at our home respected home places um but playing the lakers definitely feels like more of a show like you know you get juiced up because it's like you feel like you're about to go like out and perform you know what i mean um yeah you play at our spot and it really feels like you know real basketball environment like you know what i mean so it's a it's a, it's a big difference laker girl
It's <laughs> <laughs> water. NC State was kind of a hilarious pull there. That's not the road opponent I thought you were going to go with. So the reason why I said NC State is that I went to a Duke NC State game when I was like in eighth grade, and that environment was crazy. So that, oh, really? that's why I thought of that. Yeah, it is ACC themed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 NC State gets crazy though. Like the way they does. all around the that's that shit is crazy. I, I like playing there. Yeah, they stand in that little lower bowl, and they're all pit. Pit is crazy. So you ever play that pit when it gets crazy? Like when all their fans, all their college kids are on one side. There's, it's like there's yeah, there's no one there when we played them really. Yeah, they, they weren't great when we played them, so the fans weren't weren't as crazy. But it was you. I've seen videos of like the old pit Syracuse games, and like oh, yeah. and is hitting that shot. Like those crowds were crazy. It's crazy. Cuse is just like you don't feel like you're playing. From for me playing at Cuse, like it's like, what is this stupid? Sh- That's how I felt. Like this is so stupid. Like why are we in this big ass football stadium? Like I want to play basketball. It don't feel. Like, it doesn't feel like I'm playing basketball there. It's just weird. Tw- Twenty five thousand that place though. Twenty five thousand watching your play. Did you get used to? Did it? Did it take time to get used to that? Like how did, how did that work? Was it easy? Man, yeah. man, I, I think just like. When you play at Syracuse, like you are the show. So like, when you're the show, like you you feel like that's like that's like your stage. That's like a big time like place to play. Like there's no place like it. So like for me, I, I took it as like, yo, I'm so blessed and privileged to be able to play in this big time environment. Have 30,000 people coming to all of our games. And and when you walk around town in Syracuse, it's like, yo, like you guys are the show. You know what I mean? So it. I, I love playing at the dome. The dome because there's no place like it. Like you know you're at Syracuse when you're when you're in that dome. So, I mean, Pat, Patty would say all the time, "It's like man, like I, I don't belong here." No, I didn't belong there at all. I mean, <laughs> it's like apples to oranges. It's a little different of a comparison. But uh, in my career at Cuse, I shot one free throw, and shooting a free throw there was the scariest moment of my entire sporting career. <laughs> I was like, "There's no way I hit the rim." Uh, my freshman year was the same for me. I, I got fouled, and I walked to the line, and I looked up, and I was like, oh, nah. There's so much space behind. <laughs> I was like, nah, I cannot do this. I do not want to be here right now. That shit is intimidating. Yeah, but uh, last question for me for – this is also kind of for both you guys, but I love uh, talking to Swider about, like, the New England basketball scene. It seems, like, very, very tight-knit. Um, you were two years older than Swider, but it's it, – I, like, didn't really have the knowledge of it and how many guys have, like, made it from, from that scene. The prep school scene up there is crazy. But um, can you give some, like, guys that you kind of looked up to growing up that, that made it from there, then, like, you kind of add yourself to that, that list? Yeah, for me, um, uh, so I went to Tilton, and before I got to Tilton, the roster was George Niang, Wayne Selden, Nerlens Noel. Um, good luck. Good luck. And then they had a guy named Dominique Bull who went to Missouri. He was really good also. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked up to those guys. I looked to Mike Carter-Williams. Like, everybody was like, you know, you could be like Mike Carter-Williams. He's big point guard, big guard, slashes, can shoot a little, you know. So I really looked up to Mike. Um, there's just a, a, so many guys in the area, man. There's so many. The Brewster guys, they were so good. They had Samaj Christian. They had TJ Warren, who's, who's in the NBA now. They had... Um, bunch of guys man that i looked up to so there, it was just so much going on in that area ricky Lido was there he was cooking he went to south kent um there were so many guys in that area that you could look up to and and that was like prime 
make highlight make highlights to put on YouTube. Yeah, type phase. So yeah. like, <laughs> life. Yeah. yeah, it was lit. Like it was lit every every weekend. It was a new mixtape dropping of somebody in New England going crazy for like forty dunking on somebody. Um, <laughs> then I got the chance my sophomore year to go to Till and play with Wayne Selden. That was a cool learning process for me. So. Um, and then these younger guys encouraged me too, like just having them <clears throat> like follow my path the same way I did going to BABC, going to prep school. That was like real motivating for me too. Cause I was like, man, that was me. And now they're looking up to me. So it was a cool, it was just a cool. And like you said, it's tight knit. Duncan Robinson was playing there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he gave me, he gave us 30 one time in high school at Phillips Exeter. They beat us. That was crazy. I was like, who is this kid? That was the first time I ever heard of Duncan. Now mm -hmm. look at in the finals for the second time so it's crazy man it's so so many guys come out of there yeah no i love playing in the nepsack nepsack like every single game that you play there's like two or three at, during the time that we played it, it was two or three high majors on every single team right um but yeah all the guys that terrence said and for me like terrence and bruce were like my guys you know what i mean like they they always took care of me they always looked out for me like like terrence might be the only guy i know at his stature that like when he committed to Florida State, I texted him. He, he hit me back right away. He's like, thank you, bro. When he got drafted by the Clippers, I, I texted him. He hit me back right away. Thank you, bro. Like, he, when he got his contract, hit him up. Hit me right back. Thank you. Like, to have that kind of person, to like, not only as the basketball player to look up to, but, like, the actual person to, to anytime I have a question, to hit, hit Terrence up, he responds. Bruce, the same thing. Like, like Bruce asked for my jersey. Like, what, the only game I really played in this year was at Denver. And Bruce was like, yo, can I get your jersey? I want to put up on my wall. Like, just stuff like that. Like, to have you guys, like, to see you guys be second-round picks. Like, when I thought you guys were, like, the best thing ever. And then you guys see you guys grind. And I, me and Terrence's little brother, Martin, played on the same AAU team. So, it was like, Terrence has been nothing but great to me. And I've, I've looked up to those guys so much. And, um, Ter like, me and Terrence have the same agent. He made sure I was, I'm getting taken care of with our agency and everything like that. So, I mean, honestly, like, Terrence, thank you so much, man. You've, you've meant the world to me in, in my development and, and for me getting here. Um, and, 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 you, and, and, you, and you saw it when no one else did, too, when I was at Villanova and, and finally getting to Syracuse. I remember you and, you and Bruce brought me out in Boston, and, and, you, and you were like, all right, like, you're in a place where you can play now? Like, make it to the league. Like, make it to, like you challenged me. Like, make it to the league now. Like, Villanova wasn't a good fit. We know that. They don't really produce the pros besides that, that one year. Like, make it to the league now. So, so just man, just respect and, and everything, man. I, I appreciate you and, and and just so excited and happy for for how your career is going so far. Nah, yeah, no doubt. And it's been a blessing just to be able to see you, where you came from. Like I, I literally seen you when you were short. You, you before you go skirt, you had your little hands. Like you didn't have the big hands you got now yet. You were just a little shooter, and just seeing you grow. Kind of like how your little brother's doing now, just growing, getting tall, yeah. getting bass in your voice. Like, I literally seen you every step of the way. So, <laughs> to finally see you in the NBA, man, it's dope. Nah, man, appreciate it. But, yeah, man, Terrence, thank you so much for coming on, man. Another great uh, episode of The Swider Show, and we'll be back next week with another guest. Sir. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. 
Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, Show at gmail.com and of course if you haven't already make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer is Adam Lewis Swider Show is created by Cole Swider Patty Casey and producer Adam Lewis all rights reserved thank you guys we'll see you next week